Berkeley Poetry Conference has transformed itself into a series of conversations, performances, and readings called Crosstalk Color Composition. It will feature several poets of color of national reputation and will run from Monday, June 14th through Thursday, June 18th. Check out http colon slash slash Crosstalk colorcomposition.com for information. Thank you, wonderful Jill Rita Montgomery, and thanks for listening. Welcome to the Poet to Poet series. I'm your host, Dina Serrano. I have in the studio two Chicano Sacramento writers, Charles Mariano and Arturo Mantecon. It's a pleasure to have you both here. Bienvenidos, Charles. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And to you, Arturo. Likewise. Always a pleasure. They've just put out a book together called Flipside. If you hold it in one direction, it has all of Charles Mariano's poetry. And then if you turn it upside down and hold it the other way, it has Arturo Mantecon's poetry. So let's begin with you, Charles. I see you've brought some other volumes you've written. What are they? I wrote one that's about farming in the Central Valley because I was from Merced. My dad's on the cover. It's called Peacework, Fields and Dreams from the Central Valley. The other one's called The Whole Enchilada, Recipes, Photos, and Stories from Merced, California. And can you read us a little from your new book, Flipside? Sure. The first one's called Mija. At some point, all the silly faces, giggles, and laughters will stop, and my little girl will look past me, move on. For today, though, this sunshine and funny songs, six years and counting, loves me to pieces. Wish I could bottle up her adoration, pure innocence. Grandpa, yes, mijita. I sang a new song today in school. You did? That's great. Sing it to me. I love my grandpa. He loves me too. We go to the park and laugh and play. I love my grandpa. He loves me too. She stops, looks up at me with that goofy smile, my heart in her tiny hands. Please, please, never grow up, I whisper. What, grandpa? That was great, Mia. Sing it to me again. Beautiful poem. You just heard Charles Mariano reading from his new book, Flipside. What other poems or stories do you have for us? This one's called Superman. Yesterday, a story in the Sacramento Bee said a man saved another man from a horrible fire. A man on the side of the road trapped in a burning car. People standing there, frozen, watching him screaming, burning to death. Suddenly, another car stops. A man jumps out, races into the flames, busts out the window and pulls the man to safety. He came out of nowhere, a witness said, like Superman. The newspaper didn't say a Mexican immigrant who spoke no English because he was. It didn't say he dove into the fire to save a white man. He didn't say a Catholic man saved a Christian man or a poor man saved a rich man. He was just a man. Through a translator, they asked his hero why he risked his life diving into the fire. He needed help, so I helped him, he answered simply. Not a brown face or a purple face, a human face, able to leap religion, race, insane, stupid politics in a single bound, more powerful than runaway hate, Superman. That was Charles Mariano. I like that Superman. <laughs> I also liked that poem about your granddaughter. I know the feeling. I'm up to great-grandchildren now, so I've watched my grandchildren become great-grandchildren, and definitely there's that duality that you want to say, no, don't get any older, and then there's the thrill of seeing this whole life and person evolve. Can you read us another poem? Dedication. 
I've always felt I'd write a book, a childhood quest, never did. Even dared say it out loud. A book, a novelist, a writer. It rolled off my tongue. That's me, I'd say proudly. Foolishness. I'm none of that. I've daydreamed circles into my eyes, rings of age across my heart. Oh, words, sure, flow wildly from my pen without reason, direction. Every angry, stupid, painful thought I wrote it down. Now as goals spin woefully to the wayside and time scratches deep grooves into my skin, I laugh bitterly to myself of lusty trails and demon haunts of crazy, twisted make-believes. When I first dreamed this book, I imagined the dedication, that blank page before it all starts, the exhilaration of accomplishment, of gratitude, to mother, father, friends, for patience beyond belief. And in my mind, my occasional madness of novels and books never written, of blank pages never signed, I saw squandered lifetimes, failures, circles and rings to nowhere, sadness. And I come to this page, my turn, to honor, credit, praise, to dedicate to those who read this now, perhaps after my death, who understand the mindless, endless frustration bled into each word, desires, hopes, who screamed in silence, who died. I dedicate this book to dreamers like me. This is from my other book, Peacework. The name of this poem is Footprints. Don't want to get into why it felt so bad that we were poor, why I wore ugly shoes and pants that fit too big with holes. That brown duplex on 12th and K we lived in, government housing for those woefully without. Why it bothered me yesterday when I drove by, saw every building leveled, an empty lot. I stopped, took it all in, the air hauntingly quiet. It's all gone now, like Mama and my childhood. Nothing's forever. Family gatherings, Mama cooking up a storm in that small kitchen. The black neighbors, the Martins, the Harrises, magnificently poor like us. Shared tables, best friends, a variety of music. Trio Los Panchos, Nat King Cole, James Brown, blared out of our windows. The sweet smell of capirotada and barbecue, wafting, curling. A framed picture of JFK next to the Virgin Mary, a lit candle in the middle. Thanksgiving, Christmas, countless birthdays. That ugly house filled to the brim with warm memories, every loving inch. Don't want to get into why this empty lot bothers me, why my chest aches for every last precious piece. I see Mama at the window, her food-stained apron, hair and bobby pins, her scarf wrapped tight around her head like Aunt Jemima waving goodbye. Thank you, Charles Mariano. He's been reading to us from his book, Flipside and Peacework. Arturo Mantecon, you are also in this book. Why don't you tell us a little bit how you began writing? I began writing short stories in my late 30s. I came late to writing. I was a journalism major in, in school, but I didn't start writing creatively until later in life. That's very similar to my own story. Not that I was a journalist, but that I didn't start writing poetry till I was in my 30s as well. Well, poetry, I, I started writing when I was about 15, but it was so bad that uh, I really want to forget that period. <laughs> and when did you resume taking poetry seriously? I never considered myself a poet. I always remained faithful to Rambeau's dictum that a poet was to be a sorcerer. And it wasn't until Francisco Alarcón heard me read some doggerel that he told me, you're a poet. You're a poet and you are going to write a poem and you're going to read it at the De Young Museum for the celebration of the treasures of Teotihuacan. I protested, but he won me over and he convinced me to do it and I've been writing poetry ever since. What a great story. So can you read us one of your short stories? Most of the stories are a little long to read on the radio, but I will read an excerpt of the first one that appears in the book, The Fortune. 
We crossed the bridge one rare, breezy Laredo nightfall. My father, my mother, and five-year-old me. We walk far above El Rio Bravo, alive with catfish, prehistoric gar, and long-snouted soft-shelled turtles, all of which were to be found in the pestiferous circumstances del Mercado Municipal de Nuevo Laredo, where our six young feet were leading us that long-ago day. Nuestro paseo indolente led us past multitudes of desperate people trying to rub two pesos together for a brief spark of life. Men hawking boletos de loteria and others wearing necklaces of garlic for sale, every article imaginable, every possible service for sale. And then we came upon him, and my mother squealed in girlish glee to see the man telling fortunes through the instrument of a small brown bird. Come on! We've got to have Ari's fortune told. My father was less enthusiastic. Oh, si, por supuesto. He definitely needs that. How can a kindergartner bear to live sin saber su destino? No seas así, cabrón. Where is your sense of fun? I left it in a pocket of the pants I wore yesterday. We approached the old man standing by a rickety-legged table, and I was instantly and completely enchanted by what was atop it. There was a long wooden rack with hundreds of little cards standing on edge, and out of a small wooden box, a tiny, canary-like, finch-like brown bird came hopping out, picked out a card, and beaked it deftly to the old man. I had never seen anything so marvelous in my brief life. There was nothing like this in Detroit. Why did Mommy and Daddy have to take me away from this place, this place just across the river from the town of my birth, this place where magic seemed commonplace and the commonplace magic and the grotesque and the beautiful were unavoidable. I wanted to possess this feathered, hollow-boned soul, wanted it for my own. When my turn came, my impulse was to grab the little bird and run, to hoard it like the animated treasure it was. I would set up a table on Philadelphia Street where I lived back home and tell fortunes. I was so young, yet I already knew what career I wanted to pursue. But I checked my desires and thieving thoughts and stood there, my heart beating audibly with the excitement of the discovery of a fascinating beauty. The old man was very courtly and formal of speech. ¿Y la fecha de nacimiento del párvulo, señora? El 2 de mayo, señor. The old man then sprinkled some small seeds in a narrow line on the table. The little bird hopped out of his box and followed the path of seeds, eating them on his way. He stepped up to the cards, cocked his head one way and then another, seeming to deliberate on just the right card for me before picking one out and delivering it to his master, who handed it to my mother. Well, Artie, it says here that you were born under the power of Venus, the goddess of love, and that all your life women will throw themselves at your feet. Why are you telling the boy garbage like that? ¿Y por qué no? I'll bet it will happen. I want my son to be prepared to know what's in store for him. What's wrong with that? Híjole, las ocurrencias de esta mujer. On the accuracy of the fortune, I will only say that if a little birdie ever tells you anything, take it with more than a grain of salt. This avian prophecy not only puzzled me, it alarmed me. Why would women want to throw themselves at my feet? What would they be doing down there at the feet of scrawny little me? And if these women were anything like some of my tias, they would send me sprawling or would squash me if they were not careful. That very night, I was awakened from a deep sleep and spirited away 
to the women's jail of Laredo, Texas, by my grandmother, Margarita Herrera. Oh, you have to tell us a little more about this grandmother. My paternal grandmother, Margarita Herrera, was the matron of the women's jail in Laredo, Texas. She had guardianship mainly over the prostitutes that would cross the river into Laredo to ply their trade. These were usually the prostitutes that weren't associated with a house in a house of prostitution in Nuevo Laredo. And you have a short story about this in this book, is that right? Yes, that's basically the story that I was reading from. The name she was known as to the prostitutes and to the general populace of Laredo was Mague la Carcelera. And do you have another story or poem for us? I do have a poem that does not appear in the book, if I may read that. Please do. It is dedicated to Lorna D. Cervantes, the great poet. There is a fibrous ribbed quisqualis to her lines, at times rough, at times fine, like flat blades of chlorophyll, like tight-plated trenzas of hair, like set-at-angles herring spines, like the palpated hand of a textile like the wound filaments on a ravel spool, like the branched barbules of a starling's plume, the warp, as well as the crossing woof, shocked by the incidental catches of her phrasing coins and drawn by the dillentomed orotundity of her gathers. But for all that, this weave is not meant to be worn, but rather thrown and slung and draped and tied, blanket, tarp, web, reboso, all for love, Hunger and the forfending of fear and dark rain, implicit all in the design of her design, y en la poridad de las poridades contained within the petals of her orchidaceous soul. And the relentless vibrating shuttle bobbin within her brain speeds through the nerve webs of the loom, perforce creating the impetuous searching with hand and tongue for the grace of love, immemorial racial bliss, y el justo anhelo for the restless peace of justice que anima y da luces y fuego azul a la poesía de Lorna D. Cervantes. You just heard Arturo Mantecón reading his original poem about Lorna D. Cervantes. Well, thank you both. This has been very exciting for me. I wonder if you could tell our listeners where they might get this book. Flipside Books is available on Amazon, and so are the other two. Peacework and The Holy Enchilada are the other two books. Do you have any other books you would want to mention, Arturo? I have no other books under my authorship. I have two books of translation, and it can be said, and I will say it, that the translations are works of art created by me, even though they are translations of another's work. But those two books are My Naked Brain, translations of the work of the mad Spanish poet Leopoldo Maria Panero, and Like an Eye in the Hand of a Beggar, also translations of the work of the same poet, Panero. Well, thank you very much. Thank you to both of you, Charles Mariano and Art Montecon. It's been a pleasure. Thank it's you. been a pleasure, too. Thank you.
Earlier in the program, Arturo Mantecón told us that he was first inspired by Francisco Arlacón to write poetry. Here are some poems by Francisco Arlacón, who has been a dynamic force for California poetry and poets. Poem. I enter the poem as I enter a temple, barefoot in awe. I leave all canops, garments by the door. At the age of the abysm, I let myself go. Oh, brothers, oh, sisters, the poem writes me. Crazy. I leave my doors unlocked. Strangers look to me so familiar. I would embrace and kiss them all. Every day on the street, I run into God. Instead of crying, now I laugh. I want to turn the world upside down. Nothing sways me. I must be crazy. America. The accent mark on top of the letter E in America is initial spark of a firework going up in the dark night sky, booming loud and bright. I am your country too. This 4th of July, healers, a shooting star falls in the middle of nowhere, is a healing poem. Let us all be Gandhi. Let us all be Gandhi. Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, Cesar Chavez, Dolores Huerta, Rosa Parks, messengers of peace. Reason, tolerance, goodwill, not hatred, anger, all jailed at one time and dismissed by the one percent for their principles. From despair, fear, sorrow, let us all draw enjoyment, faith, and hope. Poetic Manifesto to Poets Responding to SB 1017 Each poem is an act of faith in the power of the word. A flower passed hand to hand and rooted in the heart. A prayer chant, lightning in the night. A song amidst so much noise. A murmur of three branches at the very edge of the big desert, breaking down the borders of despair, sowing the seeds of renewed hope. Each poem is... A call for action is saying yes to the rule of no, a defiance to social silence, built in trust in response to fear, a testimony of the human whole, recognizing that in spite of all, all the differences and peculiarities, we all breathe, love and dream, celebrate and suffer under the same one sun. A poet is a river. To Jose Montoya, 1932-2013, Chicano Paul Laureate, who decided to celebrate his book, Information, 20 Years of Hoda, by reading poems a la Raza Galeria Posada in Sacramento on April 24th, 1993, the same day Cesar Chavez passed away. A poet is a river, flowing unnoticed, caressing stones, 
moving silt from one place to another, carving canyons all the way to the sea. A poet is a puff of fresh air in any room. A poet is a mirror, a clenched fist, a bleeding nose. A poet is a smile, laughter, and tears. A poet becomes a table, a guitar, a house, el barrio. He speaks in tongues, brings back the dead, makes possible dreaming in the fields. Midday Sun to Mariana Yaposki, 1923-2002 Before falling asleep on the seventh day, God said, Let the eyes be able to sense the omnipresence of all colors of my creation as black and white prayers on paper. Let the senses of cameras take images of the inner soul, of the simple things in life, the courage and the dignity of the poorest. Let poems be photos of light and dark, fleeting moments taken under a midday sun, leaving all eyes forever in wonder. War is death. War is reason going mad, senseless, fruitless, insane. War is a big lie posted as truth, a dark hole with no end in sight. War is the atrocious beast of greed that justifies even crimes against humanity. War is terror on grand scale, loudless, immoral, inhumane. War is a devouring monster feeding on the youth of nations. War is a river of tears and despair, extended flags masking caskets as excuses. War is what evil is to good, ruthless, heartless, hopeless. War is a perennial night without midday. It blinds us, it pains us, it denies us. War is what death is to life, always waged in our name against us all. You just heard Francisco Arlacón reading his own poetry. The following segment is by me, Nina Serrano, reading my own literary work. Though I've been writing and publishing for over 47 years, this is my first short story written this last December from a prompt by writing coach Valerie Haynes Perry. It was a few months after my 80th birthday, so you see, it's never too late to start. Here is my story, A Gift of the Magi. The weak winter sun began fading and darkening clouds loomed as Rosie entered the shop. One of her long braids was coming undone, but it didn't matter because she was in a hurry. Bright Christmas tree lights glowed from the small decorated tree in the window. The new 1946 calendars all held a promise of the days to come. She could hardly imagine it. The war had been over since summer and it seemed like the whole world was excited, not knowing what would happen next, though she knew it would be wonderful. 
How could it not? We won the war. The Nazis and the Japanese lost. Now the whole world would be free and equal. Dad and many soldiers were already home. Mama was helping her knit him a blue woolly scarf as his gift. What a joy! Rosie had a pocketful of money for buying presents. Glancing again through the plate glass, she noticed the sky dimming faster. Her mother and little brother Johnny were next door in the grocery. She'd promised Mama to be right out and join them. These were her precious moments, alone to pick out their presents without them seeing. Johnny's present was easy. She looked over the brightly displayed toys: toy soldiers, toy guns, bow and arrow sets, Indian feathered headbands, cowboy hats, rubber knives, and marbles. The puzzles were too expensive. She'd counted everything in her piggy bank, every spare penny and nickel. The coins were weighing down her pocket. She gave the red-handled rubber knife to the saleslady, knowing Johnny would be so happy. She raced to the counter with ladies' things: mirrors, combs, hairpins, perfumes, and lipsticks. Yes, lipstick for Mama, shiny and bright for her smiles. Mama would love it, and best of all, she would love Rosie for choosing it. Of poems are formalistic poems in the sense that they follow strict poetic forms. The first series are haikus, a poem of three lines each. The first line has five syllables, the second line seven, and the third and last line five. Rain haiku. Yesterday raindrops, today plum blossom petals. Every day different. Illness haiku. The pain debilitates, melts happiness into dust, covering my world. Old cars haiku. Cars wear out, won't go where they're bidden to ride. Landfills of dead cars. Roadside sightings haiku. A wild turkey flock on the side of the freeway. I whiz by and see. Beach sighting haiku. Baby seal stranded alone. Where is my mama? Climate change, warm sea. Heavenly Sunday haiku. Baptismal waters, rebirth of angelic peace. Wings and spirits soar. Fortified haiku. Renewal brings peace. Calm reigns, reassured again that I am so loved. The following formalistic poem is an octal, a poem of eight lines of eight syllables each. Lines four and five rhyme, and at the end, lines one, two, and three are repeated in the opposite order. Secrets octal. Piercing questions darting at me. I dodge, giving no reply. Threatening invasion warded off. Fortress of my secrets secured. Its shadow and silences ensured. Threatening invasion warded off. I dodge, giving no reply. Piercing questions, 
darting at me. for the Poet to Poet series. Please check out my website, ninaserrano.com, to hear other programs, poems, and a listing of my upcoming events. Thanks for listening. worry that you've been working too hard. Sally, I must work tirelessly to bring scintillating, cutting-edge leftist political programming to this network. Now, can I get back to my office and my books? CS, let's get you out of your head and into your soul, out of the office and over to the KPFA Summer Arts Fair at the Craneway Pavilion on the Richmond Waterfront, June 20th and 21st from 10 to 6. A day immersed in the arts should serve as a marvelous curative tonic for lightening the weight of the world that you carry. Well, I am definitely overdue for a curative tonic. This first annual KPFA Summer Arts Fair will, I wager, be both relaxing and inspiring.